Hi guys, I'm your host Tim McLean. Welcome to the latest edition of We Need to Talk About Movies, a podcast brought to you by the Bantaflix Movie Review website. On this episode, thanks to Movie House Cinemas, we're going to be talking about The Hunt. The film was released last week. We're now getting a chance to talk about it. I know in our previous podcast we were doing all things cosplay with Joanne and Avine. This week we're going to be talking, as I say, about The Hunt. And on this recording I'm joined by our resident geek queen, Jess Blair. Hello, Jim. And we haven't got a title for you yet, James. You know, we did. We That's did, fine by me. We did come close, I think, just before the recording when our resident Hermione. But uh, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of thinking that might be a stickler. So I think our resident Hermione, James Oliver. Hi. I can see you're really pleased by that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Can I please get ten points for Slytherin for starting this, please? Hate to jest, but anyway. It's. <laughs> It only, you'll only get 10 points if it like kicks into like James's like normal everyday life. Oh, give it time. And he's kind of like walking down the street around Belfast and it's like some guy kind of goes, Hermione! Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Not that that happens to me at all. <laughs> Not that that happens to me at I'd all. embrace it, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, but yeah. everyone secretly likes Hermione. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I can, yeah. It should be handy to hang around. Like, Slytherin, you can only have so much fun with someone from Slytherin. Hey. Yeah, there we go. Bring it back to distant jazz. <laughs> okay, so we're going to be talking about The Hunt, and as always, listeners, we're going to be talking about it in spoilerific detail, but before we kind of get into that, Jess, what's been going on in your day-to-day life? How have you been surviving the coronavirus outbreak? Well, as we all know, I originally had a career in cancer research, mm-hmm. so science, I decided... I wanted to change the pace, so I thought I'd move into finance, thinking, it can't follow me. Turns out it can. And obviously now I'm working more in the finance side of things. It's scary to see how that's impacting. And I think just every aspect of life at the minute seems to be tinged with coronavirus. Yep. Everything's very coronavirus-y, tinted lens, as we're even seeing in the film news between the heartbreaking news of Peter Rabbit 2. Got it. Hashtag the, too soon. Exactly. The heartbreaking <laughs> news Won't of... somebody think of the children? <laughs> The delay to James Bond and the even more heartbreaking, just brain and soul destroying news that Fast and Furious is still going ahead. You really so. don't like Fast and Furious. And I don't really know <laughs> I don't either, to be fair. why you hate it. And I've just come back to you that the first time James made his podcast debut, <laughs> we were talking about Fast and Furious. We were. And James was very down on it because he was very grumpy about the gravity defying trailer that came out. I don't mind Fast and it, do you know what? This is related to what we're going to be talking about later on. Because I don't mind Fast and Furious because it knows what it is. From A to Z, from second unit cinematographer, you know, composer, editor, it knows exactly what it wants to be. And it's just pure escapism. And I have no problem with that. You clearly don't, Jess. Because you can get escapism in the quality of Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, right. The Hunt. Yeah. The, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Inception. Shut up, Hermione. <laughs> Inception. You know, Shutter Island. There, films are an escape. Why would you escape to some 12-year-old's wet dream garage? 
for a weekend. Why would a 12 year old have a garage? <laughs> how exactly how rich mean. is this 12? Is this Richie Rich? Is this Macaulay Culkin? <clears throat> Richie Rich? <laughs> All right, bad choice words, but I knew what I meant in my head. Fast and Furious is good. That's what deep time. <laughs> Look, I know what you're saying. I think I got a lot of stick. I remember I was only starting out with Vanderflix. I think I was working for Cool FM. It's whatever one of those two radio stations changed their name. And uh, I think it might have been City Beat then. It's one of those two listeners. I can't remember. It's, you know, how wonderful am I to look back on a career when I can't remember who I was working for. <laughs> and I think it was around the time, I think it's Fast and Furious 5. I think it's whenever The Rock appeared. and Or The Rock had been in the previous one. And he had come back for the set. So I think it's Fast, Fast and Furious 5, or Fast 5, I think it's called. And I think I came out with a quote that I thought was quite measured. I said, I enjoyed it more than I should have. And I got a lot of stick from my friends for that. Kind of going, how could you like that? It's so stupid. How long is that runway? And it's like, I know. But in the heat of the moment, sitting there in the cinema with, you know, my bumper seat, you know, because nobody can infect me with coronavirus. <laughs> I uh, I sat there happily munching popcorn and kind of go, yes, crash, bang, wallop, rinse, repeat. Back of the net. Alan Partridge reference, kids. And uh, I liked it and I had fun with it. I kind of think it's a bit weird that Vin Diesel has been making this statement because he's... I know he's producer in these projects. And then he has another project out, another Mar- not Marvel, another kind of comic book movie. Yeah, Bloodshot. And uh, he said for both, you know, even if the cinemas aren't open, I will be going over to China to do promotion for that. And it's like, all right, Vin, why? <laughs> it's a martyr that nobody asked for. It's like, all right, be the big lad. But then it, it brings me back to, <clears throat> I don't know, did, I think we talked about this the last time you were on. The, did you see the thing a couple of months ago, it was the end of last year, where... There was some website released this factoid about the Fast and Furious franchise that Vin Diesel and Jason Statham and The Rock, they would have to have points during their fighting sequences with each other. And whatever way it worked, like Vin Diesel or The Rock couldn't lose to each other and the way that the, the shot had to be framed, that it could never be looked like, like The Rock was winning or the Vin Diesel was winning. It was really weird. It goes back to the old days of, this is one really for the, the kids, the days of the town inferno when they couldn't agree on who had top billing on the yeah. film but uh, look i i i have a soft spot for them i i think the high point for the fast and furious stuff was how they handled the death of paul walker i thought they did that really really well did we need umpteen sequels since then did we need them possibly the next installment going off to space probably not but they're going to space they apparently could, so they could be oh for goodness I think I might have been, I could just make anything about Mission Impossible. Or not Mission Impossible. <laughs> I, Don't start me a Mission Impossible, all right? We have a podcast to finish. I I could say anything about Fast and Furious, yes, and you would believe it. They go to the actually going through the world. They're actually gonna go through the centre of the uh, centre of the earth <laughs> to save the day. You know what? Someone tells me that's where it'll end up. Yeah, that's the thing. It's kind of like <clears throat> you just know it's going to get more and more ridiculous. We need to drill. Do you not think, so though, James? Down. Do you not think, though, James, that in kind of the time that we are now, with the coronavirus, with the doom and gloom, with the impending death, like we could be dead by the time this podcast <laughs> is up, right? That's how scary coronavirus is. And I'm going to come back to you, this <clears throat> Jess, because I know we talked about this in TV show, and you are the science queen slash geek queen. You know more than James and I about this, so I'm going to come back to you. But do you not think we need something like Fast and Furious in a weird way? Like, as I said last night, as a palate cleanser to the kind of 
doom and gloom. I do, I do agree with you on certain aspects of that. Like, I, I, you know, it is, it's nice to see these films. You know, they're they're fun, they're enjoyable. It's just kind of an explosion here, a cliche bad guy there. I understand your point of view, but in general, it's just like you know, there's only so much Fast and Furious that I can take. For me personally. Even before Paul Walker passed away, like it got the, I think it was number four, and I was like, right, I'm, I'm done with this. After that, it just got even more so ludicrous. And now you have John Cena coming into it. As the brother that we never knew Vin Diesel had. <laughs> yeah. As I said in the previous podcast, because I'm a terrible one for recycling <clears throat> old jokes, you know, it would never make sense that if John Cena would be his cousin. Or like it's it's never going to be. <laughs> like, it was his third cousin. It was the evil one. It's like nobody knows your third cousin. It could be anybody. It always has to be a brother, a brother from another mother. Yeah, and it's you know it's John Cena of all people who I mean let's be honest his film track record isn't exactly you know up I, the scratch. It just feels like now like the WWE recovery program. <laughs> <laughs> Might, well, might we mention John Cena's previous film? What, the Fireman? Playing Fire, yep. Anyone want to oh wanna dig into that? Not really. <laughs> no. yeah, I'm a really tough fireman who rescues kids and then becomes yeah. a dad to them. He's got a big axe, so it's all right. Anyway, Jess, coming back to you. Look, I know we talked about this in the TV show when we were kind of asking you to reassure us in these troubling times. As I say, <laughs> revert back to previous statement. I could be asking you this. You could be dead. By the time this <laughs> podcast is edited, and but look, you, this recording may never even see the light of day because by the time I get around to editing it, I could be dead. But reassure our listeners, you know, in a fashion like they say in the end of The Exorcist, it's all going to be okay. Can I say to people watch Contagion and Panic? No. Uh... Well, if you survive, I know we are going to have you doing a Contagion podcast. Because it's good timing and yeah. not in bad taste at all. No, it's okay. But, uh, uh, I, I said it on the TV show, and I've said it to a lot of people, I, I will be the one that will joke left, right, and centre mm-hmm. about this. But realistically, on a more serious note... We're all good at night. <laughs> the way... It definitely is going to be a common sense approach. At the minute... The cases here in Northern Ireland are small. They are traceable back to people who have been to Italy. You know, keep to yourself in your terms of your own personal hygiene. Wash your hands. That's really the biggest thing we can say. Wash your hands, your mingers. Exactly. (laughs) We know who you are, those ones who leave the bathroom without doing so. And, you know, wash them thoroughly with soap and hot water because it's shocking how many people need to be told that level of information. What are you recommending people sing? For 20 seconds. Oh, it depends. I know a couple of really good remixes. Okay, what So we with? could sing along to the opening refrains of uh, Sweet Transvestite from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Up until the point of I am a sweet transvestite. It's roughly 20 seconds. You can do the entirety of the intro to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. That, again, is about 20 seconds. There's a really good refrain of uh, singing Come on Eileen, but with the lyrics uh, COVID, COVID-19, are my hands really clean? Mm-hmm. Which is also a really good one to sing along to. Um, yeah, that's kind of my favourite choices. Okay. James, what, did, what would you choose to sit and sing to yourself for 20 seconds while you're washing your hands? I'm not going to lie, because I know that song the most. That COVID-19, are your hands that's really clean? clean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of you, so it's just not 
tell you what. I'll tell you what, listeners. You don't get this kind of stuff in the news at ten. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm certain of that. That we definitely don't get that. Now, if I had to pick twenty seconds, I'd probably just go. I'm just going to go. I'm not going to go for that. I'm not going to be a. I'm not going to be a sheep. I'm tired of singing happy birthday. I'm just going to just go for the kind of the opening kind of monologue of Knight Rider. That's it. Because there's no lyrics. You can just sit and as you wash your hands, go. Yeah, that's Fun. that's what I'm going to go for. <clears throat> yeah. But you know, if if we survive, because I know James, you're quite worried with coronavirus because you have to go to Dublin. Like, yeah, like, yeah. We it's... like here at Banderflix, we were sadly cards, and I mean, generally, we I mean I'm gutted that we missed this year's DCC because it's been an event that we've been reaching out to for about three years. We seem to have a growing relationship with them. This year, they kind of suggested we do a panel, and we had come with the idea of you know, is the Marvel universe really cinematic? And I was looking forward to discussing it because talk about not playing to your crowd. I just wanted to hear a lot of angry Irish teenagers go, of course it is, mate. <laughs> of, course, of course it is. And just kind of be hashtag Team Marty. But you, you're going to brave it. You, you have a mission to go to Dublin. Well, yeah. So it's um, the funny thing was one of my friends actually phoned me earlier today. And he was like, because uh, I bought him tickets for his birthday. So, you know, didn't even know he was going. And then he found out and he goes, yep, got it. We've heard a lot off. of stories. Jess, about how generous James is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to definitely we'll have to stay in touch with him by Christmas. My <laughs> birthday's in October, by the way. October, mine's in December, so that's twice. Two presents for one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll see how it goes. You know, yeah. mine's in May, just you know, also you know what? Give yeah. and receive, you know, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, hang on, that's sooner. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, we could all be dead by then. Yeah, so we could we all be dead by then. <laughs> But yeah, uh, my friend gave me a phone call today. He was letting me know he got it off work and I was like, happy days. And then we just started getting into this and I was telling them all what had been going on then. You know, we're introducing this one seat policy stuff and we're just kind of sat there and went, Jesus Christ, the world, you know, this is really starting to hit home. The world's gone mad. People are panic buying. Film's getting pushed back. It's, you know, what what's going to happen next? So on, you don't, don't make, make <clears throat> me think of Peter Rabbit too again. No. <laughs> I was really looking forward to it. Poor James Corden. I know. Not. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you can always watch them on the late, 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 late show. You know. Or you can just watch Fast and Furious. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I wow. interjected. James. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, so, yeah, like, um, you know, it's uh, the reason we're going to Dublin, me and my friends, is that NXT UK is coming there. So, you know, we're big, avid wrestling fans. And so, help me God. If that gets cancelled, I will start a riot, <laughs> and I will be on the phone to someone. Oh, angry letters, angry letters. But you're too nice, James, though. <clears throat> you, I don't know. How, how are you going to treat that if it gets cancelled? How are you going to treat that phone call? It's going to be a proper Hermione and write a really angry letter. Yeah. I'm so Voice disappointed that you cancelled. <laughs> if it's possible and would it be possibly convenient, <laughs> could I please get a refund, please? No, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> no, I'll be um no, I, I won't give off to be fair, like obviously under mm. would understand it. Um classic Hermione. Classic Hermione. Oh, this is really sticking actually, isn't it? Yep. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, but I uh, I would be really upset but um, you know, but again I, I do understand. Look, as long as it's away by November, I'm fine because me and my sister, we got tickets to go see Genesis. Okay. And no Flopping virus is going to keep me back Classic from... Classic Hermione there. He wanted to swear. <laughs> really he did. really did want to... You really... can't swear. You can swear. You can go swear. Huh? 
Swear. No motherfucking virus is keeping me from seeing Ooh. Big Phil Collins at the SSE. Shocking. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, that's it. Shocking behaviour, Hermione. The Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Ten points from Gryffindor. Yeah. But Professor McGonagall. <laughs> this is just going to go down a weird, weird route. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, last week we had the Sixth Sense guys on. We were talking about Steve Martin and Martin Short. And on Thursday I went to see that. And that's... Probably, in all honesty, realistically, going to be the last big thing I'm going to do for a while. It's just kind of, A, you don't know if you book anything, will it get cancelled, and you have to make plans. I know my lovely wife, she works in the Irish dressmaking business, and I know they're kind of worried about the world, which is coming to Dublin, same centre as where DCC's on, and they don't know if that's going to go ahead or not, and that's kind of a big economic thing for them, if that's not happening, because so many businesses have these kind of things driven around these big events, and as we saw, I think, with South by Southwest mm-hmm. being cancelled, their insurance doesn't cover viral outbreak. Oh. So they are liable for a lot of costs for things. So now they're like, we don't know if that's going to be back next year. So you just don't know. I mean, I raised it with the director of the Belfast Film Festival, and they seemed they were aware of it. And they had said, look, we have a system in place, but we're not worried about coronavirus. We still think we will get people coming out. It's... You just don't know. You genuinely just don't know. You look at what's happened with Italy, and I'm not being Mr. Alarmist, because Jess is, as always, going to reassure us and say, hey, don't worry, it'll all be all right. We'll just go to the Winchester, yeah. have a pint, and wait for all of us to blow over. For 14 days to, self, <laughs> to self-isolate. Yeah. Happy with that. Yeah. But anyway, um, kind of beyond coronavirus and doom and gloom, James, anything else you want to talk about? Anything else going <clears throat> ex- Anything else exciting going on in your life? Uh, no. Um I'm gonna sound really cheesy saying this. This is the most exciting ring that's happened Aww. on the the, the TV I show. And I, yeah, and now the podcast. This is a yeah. Like I said, I told all my friends I was gonna be doing yeah. a TV show. They were like, "Mate, that's insane!" I was like, ah, "Just gonna be really awkward." Like next week when I'm kind of going through, it, it's like, "James, you're cut." I had to cut out the time of the TV program. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just me rambling and uh, trying to be coherent, which always fails. No, I thought you know, Jess, you were on with James in the TV show last week. How do you think for a first time performance? Very well, did very well. Thank you very much. He Appreciate didn't that. fuck up. Exactly. Yay. <laughs> no to fuck ups. Yeah. No fuck ups here. Right. Uh, I think we've talked long enough. Uh, I think we'll get into this week's big release, and that, of course, is The Hunt. It was out <laughs> last week, although it was delayed by four or five months because of the shootings in America. And we'll touch on that, I'm sure, when we get into the review. But before we go any further, let's play a little clip from the trailer. Everybody get down! I know what this is. It's Mannergate. Every year, these rich elites kidnap a bunch of normal folks like us. Where'd they get you from? Wyoming. Orlando. Mississippi. This is a real thing. You're hunting human beings for a sport. Then you're not human beings. So that's a little snippet from the trailer from The Hunt. Jess, do you want to very quickly set this up? Because I think I set this up on the TV show and I think I might have kind of confuddled myself in the kind of explanation of it. I think I might have sold it wrong. But as we'll probably discuss, do we really care? <laughs> but, but tell our listeners, anyone listening, you know, if they're still alive, you know, hashtag coronavirus, <laughs> gone too soon, you know, what do they need to know about the hunt? <sighs> Always wow. good. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose, uh, what level of kind of maybe 
auto-erific well, description really be? How much do they need to know going in? Really not a lot. <laughs> but if you really have to know, um, it's really a focus on the ultra-liberal, very leftist, rich elite have created this almost uh, like ultra-secret, ultra you know, controversial club mm-hmm. where they hunt the nasty, horrible, or do they? Necky, or do they? You know, conspiracy theorists. Ooh, do they? And they're, you know, Hermione's getting really excited in the background. <laughs> going, Ooh, do they? Yeah. Um, That's. I I think there's no beating around the bush for me. I hated this. I genuinely hated this, and. Uh, I think it's probably better if I don't go off on a rant just yet. You <laughs> didn't like it either, Jess. Yeah, I was say, just tap me in now. We may as just well just say, I don't want to tap you in because I'm going to be fair. Because the one of the three of us, Hermione really... <laughs> Hermione really... Well, I don't, I'm not going to say you really liked well, it. Well, I wouldn't say really liked it, but... See, it, this kind of goes back to what we were just saying minutes ago. You were like, you know, in time of the coronavirus, down the dumps, it's all doom and gloom. These type of films that allow us to, you know, mm-hmm. escape that, have a bit of fun, like Fast and Furious. Yeah. For me, this film was that. Like, but, given... Well, sorry, no, go ahead. Well, this is why I come back to that <clears throat> point I made about Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious, from outside in, inside out, whichever way you want to kind of talk about it, knows what it wants to be. It knows right. what it is, and it knows how to sell itself, and it knows how the, the parts go together. As I say, the cinematographer, the editor... The composer, the writer, the actors, they all know what they're signing up for. This is just all over the place. And it genuinely is all. And that's, like, I am not someone, I've said this before, I'm not someone, and I know, Jess, you are one of those people. I don't know too much about you, James. I could, be, from the fact that you quite like the hunt, you know. <laughs> maybe I'm never you are coming one, back here, am I? <laughs> maybe you are one of those people. I'm not someone that takes perverse pleasure from a bad fellow. I do. I'm not someone, I think, you know, no, particularly when I come back to a point I made in the TV show, the talent that's involved. The director, Craig Zobel, and, you know, Damien Lindelof's involved with this. These are people that were involved in, you know, the Watchmen reboot that was on Sky Atlantic, HBO, and they're also involved with The Leftovers, and it's the point where if Gavin Maillardi's listening, he'll go, it's the greatest TV show ever made. It's not really not but those are people that know how to make a really good script and know how to do something that's clever and has satire and is sharp and on the money and then they make this so that's kind of why that's my counter i know okay i would definitely say there is a time and a place for something that's unashamedly silly and you know another sense like on a unashamedly gory but something that knows what it wants to be this doesn't but i mean you you Clearly, of the three of us in this room now, here at the Odeon, you enjoyed it much more than the three of us. Yeah. Or sorry, um, you enjoyed it much. You enjoyed mm-hmm. it much more than the two of us. Yeah, it's the for me politics. I'm not gonna lie; I don't know a single thing about politics. So for me, I I kind of I know where Jess was coming from when you say about the you know like the the buzzwords and the kind of you know all that there. Um, but I I I'm as dumb as a poster when it comes to politics. So for me, it just went over my head, and I'm just like, haha. People blowing up and getting shot at. Yay. I don't mind this. That's why I could tell I was enjoying it way more than you two, though, because, like, anytime something happens, I was like, oh, just see that? You're just both like, 
what? I was like, okay, never mind then. Yeah. I was like, Jess, would you tell her my idea to shut up? <laughs> Mindless violence, like I said. Do you, do you know what? Yeah, I <clears throat> I agree with you. And I mean, in the opening, I mean, my problems were all there. My alarm bells were going off right at the very start of this film. And as I say, there is a spoiler. We we do do spoilers in this pod. So if you haven't seen The Hunt, you're probably better not watching it. But if you're dead by now, <laughs> you've, probably, you've probably dodged a bullet with coronavirus, right? The opening of this film, there's a sequence on a plane, and you know we have Dennis from Always Sunny, which kind of also wrecked my enjoyment of this film. Not in the kind of sense of, you know, I, I don't like that actor. I don't like. Uh, I can't remember his real his his name in real life. I, I, not that I don't like Dennis. I love Dennis, but I can't think of that actor in any other role than as Dennis. <laughs> so it was just because I can't take you seriously. But during that sequence. There's a pretty nasty thing happens to someone who's clearly been kidnapped and wakes up halfway when he's not meant to wake up. And it's quite gory, but the soundtrack is like, this is a comedy. And it's just so, it's like someone has composed this film to something else and they've got the sound files mixed up. The soundtrack is just so off kilter and that means that you can't create tone and there's no tension. And I love, I really do love on-screen visceral violence. And you can do it for comedy. You look at something that was like last year, like Ready or Not. Great, great read. Sorry. Film. Uh, film like Ready, could have been my tummy rumbling. Um, <laughs> you compare like what was the what on here to something like Ready or Not, which again, knows what it wants to be, knows what it's trying to do, and is superb. And it works. Here, it's just like, it's almost like... Um, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know, and I'm not that bothered to research. It's like whether they've done, you know, audience screening, test screenings, and they say, oh, we want more violence. All right, put that in. We want this. We want that. And it's this, you know, product of something that's been designed by committee and just doesn't know what it wants to be. It fills you in a way I kind of thought as well. Um, like, even from the trailers and stuff that I'd seen, it's like the way it starts off, it focuses on one of the characters, mm-hmm. and then next thing you know, well, they're dead um, and then it goes on to another one you're like okay I can kind of you know follow them and then it's like oh nope they're dead but so you're you know like who's the main focus do you really? know what part of me was thinking like going oh they're going to smugly think oh we're going to do a real Hitchcock thing because that's what Hitchcock did it's what Wes Craven did with Scream because Wes Craven did that as a nod to Hitchcock with Psycho and you're just like yes you're talking about Emma Roberts I assume who gets bumped off? Spoiler, but again, you don't really need to worry. We have the spoiler warning. We have the spoiler warning, listeners. And she gets bumped off pretty quickly. Yeah. And you're, I was like, kind of watching, going, "Oh, okay, you've got my interest now again." And then it just very quickly lost it. But look, we've kind of went off, Jess. We haven't even let you go off on a rant yet. <laughs> so take a big breath. <clears throat> go for it. Oh, just nah. right. I'm just going to sit back this <laughs> The only way that I have been able to reconcile this hour and 25 minutes of utter garbage in my head is that it's like watching a Facebook troll just create a movie. If you look at it in terms of like the apparent satirical political commentary that's going through it. But... If we're going to break this down, one, I'm going to have to go back to the Dublin Road Cinema to see something else because I will not let my last memory of that (laughs) cinema be that pile of crap. Hey, Jess. Yes. You better not be dead. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, now, actually, even before I rant, I just want to preface, I love crap films. 
it's it's well known on this podcast. Yeah, you like the room. I love the room. That is a great film. The Brie Larson one. No, oh, no, 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 no. That was cinema. That was that's proper cinema. I'm talking about the room. Oh, Tommy was. Oh, Hermione. Sorry, I was a rookie. rookie no, mistake. I like my crap films. I like the Leprechaun movies. I watched. I sat through the entire <laughs> trilogy of Trees, which was the Jaws movies, but mm-hmm. swap shark for a tree. Yep. I thought they were good. That exists. Yeah, it's brilliant. Watch Jesus. Them. Um, <laughs> never, so, never yes, trust I, a recommendation <laughs> from Jess. I, I will preface that I like a crap film. Right? Like, I still think Rubber's one of the best films I've ever seen. It was fantastic. It's pretty good. Rubber? It's actually, it's about a tire. Ta- yeah, I've seen the poster so, for that. Yeah, that's right. So, I like crap films. But just, just to preface, in case people might think I'm going to be, like, movie snobby or, like, all the rest of it. You can't be if you like Room. The exactly. Room. You can't be. That's, like, my, my calling card right there is I like The Room. My judgment is sound. So. It's not. <laughs> so, this... I think the problem with this film, I have no problems with films that are mindless. I have no problems with films that are trying to be satirical. It is exactly as you put the nail right in the head there. It's It really doesn't know what it wants to be. And I think that ultimately skews the entire film from the very beginning. I hadn't seen any trailers and I had no real pre-conceived sort of notions before seeing this film other than being told it's like The Perch. Yeah. That's all I knew Possibly by me. And I think it was you <laughs> that told me that. So... I went in with literally no preconceptions film. I actually didn't even know about the controversy surrounding this and the fact that it had been delayed by four months. Yeah. Didn't know that there even be a political aspect of this film. But I swear, you could literally write down political buzzword bingo. Mm. There is just random interjections of very crass mentions of very kind of sensitive political themes. Now again, that could be put towards the last the satire element of this film. It's to look at the liberal left mm-hmm. and this conspiracy theorist right yep. and how that's in, you know outplaying at the moment in both our politics and social media. But I've seen better on a Reddit forum. Play it and out. you don't like Reddit. I love Reddit. Okay, okay. <laughs> love Reddit. But I have seen actually I've even seen probably better on 4chan. Okay. I have seen pro like actual better sort of satirical outplays of these kind of serious discussions. This is just taking buzzwords for the sake of buzzwords and crassness for the sake of crassness to try and bring a sense of intrigue and intelligence to a film that hasn't got a brain cell to rub together. And taking even aside what it's trying to do with its storyline in a very poorly thought out way that jumbles and mixes itself up the whole way through. Continuity errors left, right and centre really bugged me from the beginning. I did notice them. You noticed them very quickly, you said. Yeah, I didn't I notice them as quickly as that. I noticed quite a few very early on, which, again, to me is a bit of a warning sign for a yeah. film that this has clearly just been rushed together. And, you know, aside from that, the gore... You know, there's comedy gore, there's gore-gore, and then there's, like, you know, gornography. Mm-hmm. This just looks like amateur SFX. It's, it, it, it it looked, didn't do you know what it looked like right. when I was watching it? It looked like something that would... You'd be embarrassed if it was on a PlayStation Two at yeah. times, and I'm probably giving PlayStation Two a bad name. Yeah, Resident Evil was pretty freaky on the yeah. PlayStation Two, but like, I like Magor. I love the Saw movies, mm. which again, are coming another indictment for how I love shite cinema. But I love all the Saw films, mm-hmm. and just when you sort of compare the levels of gore, you, because you don't even know the tone of this film, you don't really know what tone the gore is meant to be. So again, that adds another level of I don't really know what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. The apparent jokes throughout it where I think they're trying to deliberately be funny at times yeah. feel very forced and not funny and not funny mm. and then 
the characters have no development. Like, as it's already been alluded to, some of your major characters get bumped off very rapidly. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't really care. I actually got very excited to think, is this film going to be an hour long now? Great. You know, you kind of... Well, you do in the maths, and you're like, well, there's 11 of them at the start. <laughs> no, I don't need that. Oh, but it can't be that long if there's only two left. I'm not going to lie. I, th- I don't think I've ever stared at my Apple Watch more intently in my life than what I, I have in that film. I thankfully didn't have mine on, because I usually leave my phone in the car now when I'm at a film, um, unless, you know, I'm out somewhere and I, and I have to bring it with me. But if I'm going specifically to a press screen, I'll leave it away. Because if I get bored, and I bel- and believe you me, I mean, I love the movie house, and it's great that they give us that opportunity to go see films that we don't have to pay for, which is great. But there's sometimes I have watched some shite in the movie house. <laughs> the one I remember being, you know, the worst I can possibly think of for a while was well, there's a few I've been really annoyed, and every every so often a film appears that gets you not. Like I mean, one of the films that really annoyed me a few years ago was Get Hard. And I got really annoyed. The Will Ferrell, Kevin Hart. And I got oh, actually, yeah, I find myself kind of, and me of all people, who is not, who does not have the best kind of moral compass. I was morally outraged by it because I thought it was hideous and I thought it was racist and I thought it was sexist and I thought it was homophobic and it's just a horrible film. Last year it was in press screen, but I remember getting really annoyed about Hellboy. This is the film oh, that, that was god awful. This is a film I think this year is going to already, and we're in only March, that if. This is going to set the benchmark for me. The film is going to actively annoy me as much because I come back to it's just so poorly made. And part of me thinks that the notoriety about the fact that it was held back for four months is going to help it in some way. That should be your warning sign. It was that crap. They didn't release it sooner. But no, I, they they cancelled it because of you know Trump getting involved and saying that these type of films in Hollywood is to blame for these mass shootings etc and you just go no then that only helps and I come back to a point I made in the TV show I don't know whether it made the cut because we haven't seen it yet but uh, you know I look I mentioned to you it looked quite purgy when I saw the trailer and you kind of got that vibes in the what you saw in the trailer and this statement on America and American culture and Trumpism and what Trump America what Trump has done with American politics and you look at the Purge films that started out as a nuts and bolts home invasion movie with Ethan Hawke, made for very little money, and give us this great concept of what if every year on one night that all crime was legal and you could do whatever you wanted. And instead of giving us the city view, they bottled it all down into a bottleneck and just give it in a in this one house. And I know people got frustrated by that. I really liked it. I thought it was great. And then they've opened it out, and they've now done a prequel, and it was a TV series. And they have made that series much more a reflection of Trump America and what it stands for, and the kind of the big business aspect, and how kind of you know the the gun companies and all this kind of thing. They have such power and such clout, and I I love those because even then you can see the inflection of something like John Carpenter and stuff like They Live and Escape from New York. But here I just see, as Jess kind of said, um, you put it much more better than me. You said, was buzzword? Buzzword bingo. Political buzzword bingo. Political buzzword bingo. But this is just ideas. It's like that, there's a little bit of like get out and the liberal left, the entitled left and kind of going, oh, you know what? I would have I would have voted for Obama three times if I could and all that kind of stuff. And there's, it's all there, but it's just like we've taken, we'll take, it's like a Frankenstein of a film. It's like, we'll take this, we'll take that. We'll try to put it together. And there is moments I will stand back and say aren't bad. 
There's a great sequence in the finale with two girls going hell for leather, fighting with each other. Part of me was kind of going, hmm, Birds of Prey did this so much better. Or even a film from a few years ago like Catfight, which is amazing, amazing, amazing film that did that same kind of thing. But I was never, I never find myself invested. I never find myself key thing, which I think is a key thing for any horror film. I know this isn't really outright horror. You, you get scared because you care. And you get invested with people and you don't you you care about what happens to him. I didn't give one shite what yep. would have happened to Miss Liberty Bell from Glow with her Texas drawl in this and I I I, I just was not engaged with it at all. I was just like, nah. This is this made me yearn for stuff like Friday the thirteenth, part seven, whichever the ones is written by Kim Williamson. Who did Scream, which is just a satire on Friday the night for not on Friday, on Friday the thirteenth films. That made me yearn for that. It was just stupid. You know what this film actually made me yearn for? Watching the underrated John Woo classic starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Hard Target. Man is the deadliest prey. But you, you coming back to James, you once you said like politics is not your forte, you you have taken pleasure from it. So coming back to the point I made about are you somebody that takes perverse pleasure from bad movies? Go on, go on, <laughs> go on, Hermione. <clears throat> I don't know. It's. I mean, does that mean I am one of those people? I mean, one of us. Well, <laughs> doesn't mean you're bad. I don't know. <laughs> you said that so defensively. I know. I get a lot of stick for my taste in films. Um, you see, yeah. I, I mean, it, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of some bad films that I've seen, and well, or even though. Self-consciously, I knew they were awful. Like, did I still get enjoyment out of it? I'm trying to think. What was the last bad film I saw? Hellboy. <laughs> Christ, that was just a oh god. Well, hell, well, a film like Hellboy, you kind of sit and go when you hear the story about how it was taken from the director's hand and the producers pretty much kind of retooled the whole yeah. thing. You go right. You got a cinematic turd in your hands. There are some films that are bad, but unintentionally bad. People thought they were making Shakespeare, and they weren't. They were the making. Rim. They were making a great big polished turd. Downsizing. Um, well, you see, downsizing... <laughs> if you ever want to be misled by a trailer or a film in general, I always say downsizing. Is that a film then just you just don't <clears throat> like? or that, No, it's just I hate it. Okay. Like, cause I, the, I mean, if, you know... We, we had the, we'd had this discussion on the last pod, I think. Yeah, yeah, we can happily have the rants, like, about, you know, you both feel very strongly about the hunt. Downsizing is, like, that equivalent to me. It is, by God almighty, like, I've never... See, again, I would get as worked up as what you would be. Yeah, like it, it, <laughs> so good. good. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> so, what is it about taking aside? You don't have to go into specific plot points. What is it about downsizing that got you annoyed? That didn't get you annoyed about the hunt. I don't know because the thing with downsizing was you were led very, you know, specifically into thinking. It was one thing. It was very, you know, honey, I shrunk the kids-esque. That's what I had thought this was so going you, to be. Just to and butt then, in, are you annoyed with the marketing men rather than the filmmaker? Okay, yeah, I suppose then you could say marketing of it, yes. Because that happens a lot. I mean, I remember the George Clooney film, The American, which the, tra- I seen it, but I remember. the trailers all made it out like it was going to be a James Bond-esque spy drama. And there's all this stuff, whether there's a car chase, and I think it's actually through Italy, not be happening now anyway. <laughs> and there was, a, I think, there was a sequence where there's a hit, and it's all in the trailer. That's the only moments that involve any kind of espionage, really, kind of in that entire film. 
Or we think of a film I absolutely love from a couple of years ago, Monsters, which had all the aliens and stuff in the trailers. And people got annoyed that it wasn't about aliens. It was about people being kind of stuck in this kind of dystopian kind of society has broken down. Hashtag coronavirus. Yeah, I love that film. Yeah. I didn't know the trailers. I didn't see the trailers. The trailers didn't mislead me. We have said it's a kind of mantra on this podcast that market men will sell their souls to get you to buy a cinema ticket. They genuinely will. And that could be a case that you're... That's my point, was that you feel like you were misled by the marketing rather than the filmmaker. I mean, I still find the film to be absolutely shite. And that, you know, <laughs> let it be known, please. God, let it be known. But yeah, it was... Yeah, like, you know, the trailer, like I said, it was, it was just so direct. And it wasn't just me. There were plenty of us, the trailer played in our foyer for mm-hmm. months on end, as a trailer usually does. And, you know, when it came to come out, I mean, we weren't all jumping at it being like, oh, this seems great. You know, a few of us were like, oh, we're intrigued by it. And literally every person, every friend of mine that went and saw it came out and said the exact same thing. They were like, that was was just awful. I'm pretty sure one of them actually walked out of it. Mm. <laughs> and I mean, I, I can see why. It's You're led to think it's one thing and then you sit so down you were close. completely another thing. You would, would you say you were close to walking out with downsizing? Honestly, I see, no, right. I don't think... Walking out, no, there has only been one film which I've ever walked out on in my entirety Ooh. of reviewing history, and it was Hitman Agent 47. I was on a... Now, not the Timothy Elephant one, the the one after that, right? <clears throat> and please forgive me, I'll try not to, I'll try to, you know, not rant too much, and I'll keep it brief, but... That was press... I remember that being press screen. <clears throat> oh, right, so... <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that shudder. Yeah, that, that's shudder. just now. Let me take my deep breath. So... You, like Timothy Oliphant's one wasn't perfect either, but Timothy Oliphant, a good actor, pulled it off rather well. Did you really think, you know, if we do this second time round, we're going to get the Hitman movie nailed? Honestly, no. But mm. then I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, is it on something? They had the, you know, he uses a disguised thing mm-hmm. and they took some of the things from the game. Like, I'm pretty sure he disguises himself as like a Russian or some sort mm-hmm. of, you know, officer. I was like, okay, that's, you know, from Hitman 2. There's, you know, I was like, okay, they're, they seem to be getting it here. And also the trailer song that was used, it was a remix of Voodoo Child mm-hmm. by Jimi Hendrix. And I mean, I mean, I like that remix mm-hmm. and it's a great song. But yeah, so you had this film and I was on split shift in work. So I finished at like 12, didn't start back till 5. Okay, kill some time. I would go see a movie. It's what I would usually do in split shifts. And I walked in. I was like, okay, here we go. First of all, very first problem. He's not exactly, he's not even bald. No. It was like, it was a, you know, a skinhead at best. Like you could still see, you know, and I was like, right. Okay. I was like, but you know what? Let's try and move past it here. Right. Second thing. There's a fight in a Heiner Bay with, you know, oh God, I can't even describe how... I feel like, like this is unearthing kind of traumatic memories. Yeah, it feels like a yeah, it's, Can I just can uh, I interject at this point? Quote, is course. it a more case? Were you more annoyed as a fan? Was fandom getting in the road of your enjoyment of this rather than how bad the film is? No, it's it's okay. Yeah, you know, okay, you could say I, yes, I fandom, have I have yeah. seen the film you're talking about, yep. and I'm not. I I can't remember a lot about it. I just think there's a big finale on a street near the end. Yeah, where there's people. Rep- there's SWAT officers rappelling down. Yeah. They all shoot tongs into the side of the car. Mm-hmm. He does a big Vin Diesel spinny thing mm-hmm. and <laughs> just starts shooting them I'm, left, I'm, right, I'm and centre. use the technical term. <laughs> <laughs> Drift, drop, whatever you want to call it. And he just starts shooting them down from the side of the buildings. Do you right. what I love more than anything, oh. listeners, is that James is doing the kind of hand gestures that he's doing that. <laughs> 
pew, pew. That's my gun sounds. Yeah. It, have you ever seen the film Columbiana with um, Zoe... Zoe Saldana? Yeah. yeah. Right. That is what a hitman film should be. Mm-hmm. That is exactly, you know, the scenes especially where she's infiltrating the house towards the end, you know, taking them out silently, bang, crack, wallop, you know, not seen, not heard. Mm-hmm. Finally gets to the final encounter, and it's like, oh, okay, one-on-one, okay. That is what a hitman film should be, in my opinion. It's like, I don't know how you could get that so wrong. Do you know what I'm just going to say at this point? Yes. Just to interject as well. Yep. Don't watch The American then, because he's a hitman in, Ameri- in The American. Don't watch it. Um, I'm trying to think. I know we've talked about this before in the podcast, so listeners will probably know, probably the only film I can remember. Well, there is, you know, bringing back the, on repeat previous podcast, the obligatory Ghostbusters reference. As a very young Go. child, I had to be Ooh. removed from Ghostbusters 2 because I got scared by Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> Anyone playing Banterflix Bingo will, you know, be able to knock their scorecard off there. The only time I can remember walking out in a film wasn't because I was morally outraged, because my then girlfriend, my wife, got really, really upset by Hobo with a Shotgun. And she got really upset. There's a sequence in it where some kids get put on fire by a guy. It's And again, we're talking about The Hunt and the kind of a film that knows its tone. There is a grisly, nasty horror film that knows its tone. And I don't have a problem with those kind of ultra-violent films when they know I've they never to heard be. of that film. Yeah, it's, it's not great, but, you know, it's got the late, great Rutger Haar in the leading role, Hobo with a Shotgun, and as a sequence where... Uh, a guy goes on uh, a school bus and puts all the kids on fire. My partner was work the manageress of a nursery and just got really upset. Oh. And she just was like, I just don't want to watch this anymore. And I was like, yeah, fine, let's go. I've never had the inclination to go back and rewatch it. But I've been told by a lot of people, it's, you know, if you like stuff like Mandy, if you like stuff like Color Out of Space, go back and see the end of Hope. I bought Shotgun. Mandy recently, I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard it's just nuts. <laughs> don't do drugs when you watch it. Drug. Never, done, never done drugs anyway, so... You know you know what? Drugs are bad, okay? <laughs> Recreation. Jess, what drugs. about you? What, what have you? Have you ever walked out of anything? I really desperately wanted to walk out of the Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, I knew. <laughs> Any, um, anyone uh, playing Vanderflix Bingo with Jess? Well, I've just got a scorecard. Little mark off yeah. their scorecard. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I would have walked out of Ghostbusters 2016, but I wasn't paying the money to go see it. So, I don't know. I really wanted to walk out of The Artist. Didn't, didn't see it. Yeah, I'd be thankful. Why uh, would you want to walk out of the artist? It's a lovely film. It was just so boring. Oh, yes. I just got so bored. It could have been as well the fact the sun was very warm and it was all a bit probably just too much that day. That's an Oscar winning film you're talking about. And? It's good. Oh, it's a really good what film. A, what and, a statement just and. and. <laughs> Your point is. <laughs> Look. That Alan Rickman got overlooked for Oscars for Harry Potter, and that, with that alone, I will never trust the Oscars. That statement up until Green Book was the best film of the year stood. Okay, there was a year Driving Miss Daisy won the Oscar, but everyone actually likes Driving Miss yeah, Daisy. Yeah, we do like that film. But, uh, did everyone like Green Book? I love Green Book. Yeah, no? Ah, oh, fantastic. No, as in, it's perfectly fine, but uh, this is going on a tangent when we're meant to be ranting about the hunt. My problem with Green Book is, is that the story has been told from the wrong person's point of view. The story has been told by the white man's point of view. And that's not to say that it's not an interesting story. But you tell me whose story of those two people I want to know in Green Book. And it's it's the guy sitting in the back seat. Yeah. Genuinely, the guy who is, uh, he's black, he's closeted gay, he's having to do things. And he's having to do things in kind of secrecy. There is a person's story you want to know, not the kind of, the kind of 
bit of oaf. I mean, I love Viggo Mortensen, so don't get me wrong, but he's the white guy that is kind of the Italian. He's a bit of a schlub. Okay, it's a good story, but you tell me if you tell me that story from the other point of view. Yep, I'm sold. Genuine. I mean, I'm not sitting here kind of going again. I, my moral compass is not great. I do not have, you know, a fixed moral compass. But that is a film. I just think you're telling that story from the wrong point of view. Okay, no, that's, that's fair. Yeah. There's a great standout scene in that film, though. I love, which is a. Uh, have you seen it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know the one where it's um. Was they're just they're just after getting released from prison, mm-hmm. and then they're on their way back, and they get into like an engagement, and it's a uh, um Mahershali. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm half not black enough and I'm not white enough, Tony. Then tell me who am yeah. I? I was like, God, that's a great scene. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. Tears I mean, me up every time. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't. I don't detest Green Room, but I mean, oh sorry, Green Room's <laughs> a different, completely different film. I I don't detest Green Book. I just I understand think, where you're coming from. Though. If you said to me, right, watch every film from the last twelve months, the year that one, what is the best film of the year? Green Book is not there. Fair. It's the same as why I'm the person who goes, look, if you showed everyone all the best female performances on cinema in the last 12 months, you know, Rennie Zellweger's performance in Judy is not there. I, now to be fair, I never saw it. I wanted to. And, it's you know, not, again, it's, it's not a bad film, but there's better performance. But look, you know, none of these people, well, we're talking about Oscar winning actresses. We have one popping up in The Hunt. We have Hilary Swank. And who had last seen, I couldn't remember the name of the film I'd seen her in, it's that Netflix kind of is it Mother? The kind of weird, yeah. kind of robot-y kind of one that I... So I think it's Mother. I'm not quite sure the name of the film. And, I mean, I love Hilary Swank. Hilary Swank is a great screen performer. And she's good in this. But again, her character kind of pops up. And you don't really get enough time with her. And then there's this kind of thing. Like, we're talking about this idea about the, the entitled left taking on the horrible right-wing America. And then there's this kind of statement near the end, which, oh, you're like, oh, could this film actually get semi-interesting for a second? It doesn't, listeners. And (laughs) they kind of do this thing about fake news and how they they create these falsehoods so then that they come into existence. And you're like, if you had sat down properly and played with that concept on its own, you're like, right, that's something that could be interesting. But again, it's just this kind of meh little thing i've just came up with the most perfect analogy right have you ever read the comments on a buzzfeed news article about trump then you'll have watched the hunt there we go drop mic that's me done that is the most pc pg friendly way i can describe (laughs) this film and i now feel a lot calmer because i think that's what's been bugging me is what is the best analogy that i can give this film Mm. to really just convey how shite it is it's how they you know, throughout the whole film, Hilary Swank's character is... It, I love how they do this as well. It's like, you know, they try to keep her, like, mysterious. Be like, oh, who is this woman who, like, She's oversees in the trailer, her? Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, she shot... I was like, well, we, we knew from the get-go. I hate when films do that. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, okay, to interesting. Fair, I hadn't seen the trailer, <laughs> and I knew. It's, it's up there with, kind of, oh, Christoph Waltz is Inspector. He's Blofeld. No, he's not. He, he's Blofeld. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> He, he's, no, he he's is. Blofeld he really is, and they're yeah. like haha we fooled you his Blofeld's like we all fucking knew <laughs> from the minute he was cast uh, look I'm kind of kind of struggling to think of what else we want to talk about about the hunt there, that's just not there, <laughs> look we in don't the, in the interest of fairness there is odd little moments where I think it does kind of work where you yeah, sit and go 
No. no. There's... Damn it. Damn it. I can't even make my own jokes. The, the sequence here, the, the girl fight near the end, I think, is is well executed. It's well. It's kind of slightly kind of Taken 3-esque, over-edited to the point of, you know, over-editing. But I think there's strong moments there. But I would say to anyone, because I know the film hasn't found its audience, and I've been championing it since I first saw it, is if you like those five minutes, just go watch Birds of Prey and watch women kick the shite out of not just each other, but big, bad fellas as well. Which, I mean, Birds of Prey, I just think, is amazing. And a lot more, like, colourful sequences as well. Yeah. Yeah. With a more kick-ass soundtrack. And not one mention of the terrible Suicide Squad that preceded it. But anyway, um, I think there is individual little moments in Hunt that kind of work. Like the kind of, that little moment of the falsehoods, the kind of the fake news, oh, you kind of brought into fruition. You brought it into creation. If I'm actually honest, some of the stuff, most of the stuff with actually Hilary Swank is when the film is quite good. I think there's stronger moments. Maybe it's because I quite like Hilary Swank. You're looking at me, Jess, I think you clearly disagree. (laughs) But I would say there's the moments with Hilary Swank are probably a three-star moments of this film compared to the one-star, two-star nonsense that it is. You're giving it a star? Yeah, I have to. Okay. (laughs) Jess, minus this. Must try harder. Do you not think, I mean... Take out. I know you really disliked it, as did I. I'm I mean, right. I said to, I said on the TV show, I said, in all honesty, this has as much political sat. The sharpness of this film's political satire is the the sharpness of a butter knife. There's there's nothing to it, mm. and it's all heavily signposted, and it's almost like as if they're knocking you in the head, kind of going, "Do you get it? Keep up, you know that. Come on, come on, you're with it." There's no sense to kind of treat the audience with a bit of respect and kind of say, you know, you'll connect the dots together, but individually stepping back from it there's little moments where you go if you had explored that idea if you'd unpacked that a little bit more if you didn't have to do the shite kind of special effects for the over the top violence there might have been a film here yeah i agree <clears throat> i think that's actually what i said the minute we walked out was no actually what you said that was a load of shite rather loudly as well um no it is a film that i think is a good concept mm-hmm just rather shitely executed. No thought given. Just watch Battle Royale instead. I love Battle Royale. That's actually Such what my amazing. mate said. Yeah, he was like, just go watch Battle Royale. Yeah, Battle he was Royale like, it sounds like the exact same thing. Yeah, Even the Hunger brilliant. Games. No, do you know what? Your mate's wrong. Watch Hard Target. Honest, if I get anything... <laughs> do you know the way like Contagion <clears throat> has got back into the charts on digital downloads because of everyone's terrified that was a documentary, of coronavirus, <laughs> right? Everyone's terrified of that. My aim, I'm not going to be realistic in top 10 in kind of because I don't Bandaflix the Bandaflix does not have that clout if I can get this into like the top 200 of the downloaded films on iTunes whatever else kids are getting their movies these days I will be pleased <laughs> watch listeners 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 it's just you and me right you and me listeners go right now I know it's not on Netflix I know that it's not on Amazon Prime Go on and purchase Hard Target, John Woo, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Man is the deadliest prey. Trust me, you're welcome. Sorry, this moment. I like to have this moment with me and the listeners. But uh, yeah, Hard Target. Watch Hard Target. Honest to God, watch Hard Target. You will have so much fun. It's John Woo, guy who did Face Off. What's not to like? So you know yeah, there's going to be... True, actually, yeah. You know there's going to be over-the-top violence. Yeah. It's not up there with Hard Boiled. You know, if, you know... 
if you're going to be the kind of it. if you're going to be the kind of part one to my Jedi Master, I will say when you look at something like Hardboard, it's subtitled if you can get past the inch high barrier. I like subtitled, but um, it's great. Hardboiled's great, but <clears throat> watch Hard Target. You've got Jean Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels, the only man who can save us from coronavirus. <laughs> you have John Woo, and you've just got you know Jean Claude Van Damme being hunted. Is Hermione allowed to watch these types of fandom yeah, films? Of course yes. she is, yeah. yeah. We give uh, you permission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Professor. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that, I mean, as I come back to, you know, in our typical rambly way, there is little moments of this, but I'm actually going to bring things to a close from my point of view anyway, Jess, by referencing something that I know you love and adore. People made a lot of the fact that Chernobyl was written by the guy who did The Hangover Part 2. And everyone said, oh, wow, it's proof that, you know, everyone gets a second chance. That's fine. I take that on board. People don't seem to look at it the other way. When you know, we have writers who've done, like, as I said earlier on, the people involved with this made the Watchmen TV show. They made the leftovers. I think they also did a film Compliance as well. I could be wrong, which I, I really liked. They, you know, Damien Lindelof and me have a mixed history. You know, we don't talk. We're not in talking terms. But when you have people who've made something like that or films and TV series like that caliber and then produce this you just go no no i know people get annoyed but people like kevin smith when they kind of go they kind of don't care anymore or they're just doing that even in kevin smith's silliest kind of most nonsensical moments there still again is a little glimmer of the writer that was just right on the zeitgeist with clerks and stuff here is someone who has a half-baked idea hasn't really thought it through hasn't unpacked it hasn't kind of tried to do anything with it and have just kind of delivered a real mess of a film. But that's just me. I mean, that's just me. That's my, you know, it's not really a mic drop moment, but it's just kind of, you know, this is why I think I'm getting annoyed. It's the fact that I think the people involved, the con- the concept, the timing right now with everything kind of going on, we're in an election year, I think the, the timing was right for something that just could have done something. And it's it's not even kind of like a, Hot shots. It's not even kind of like a top secret or like a an airplane kind of satire of political satire. It's not even. It just annoys me. It doesn't just even annoy. end with like a conclusion. It no. Just kind of. It's it's a film that happened. Yeah, and part of me is going, "Oh, are they going to leave it open ended for a sequel?" No, I I don't know. Do you know the annoying thing is this film will well because of coronavirus, nobody else will want to go see anything. It probably will do okay at the box office. If this is our last days on Earth, can I implore? Just don't go see it. <laughs> You've better things to do. You know what, family. listeners? Jess could be speaking to you from beyond the grave here. <laughs> <laughs> don't go see The Hunt. James, you know, any last thoughts just kind of on the, on this film? Just kind of before we wrap things up? Yeah, no, um, I think I've said my piece and I've been outweighed by yourselves on it. So I'm going to just keep quiet <laughs> and in true American Psycho fashion, tip the B square. All right, Hermione. <laughs> what I had to add, what that was my like mic drop moment, you know. So that, that's okay. Um, yeah. So on that note, I think we shall bring this pod to a close. Thank you very much, Jess. Thank you very much, James. Thank you very much, James. Thank you very much, pleasure. Thank you very much, as always, to the Odeon for hosting us. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, don't forget to subscribe. If you even want to be really nice, you can leave us a little review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and fix. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss comedic gold like this from Jess. What? <laughs> and comedic gold like this from James. Do you like Phil Collins? 
See? Hermione's always on the zone. Until next week, goodbye. <laughs>